This is the NFL Draft Triple Take with Mike Prezuta, Dale Lawley, and Matt Williamson from Steelers Nation Radio and Steelers.com. Welcome to another edition of Steelers.com's NFL Draft Triple Take Podcast. I'm Mike Prezuta from Steelers.com and the Steelers Radio Network. Joined as always by Dale Lawley of SNR, the Steelers Radio Network. Steelers.com and uh, Steelers coverage all over the place. Matt Williamson, uh, SNR, Steelers Radio Network, Steelers.com. Matt and Dale hook up for the drive on SNR every day. Uh, You may recognize them from there. You may recognize them from somewhere. Uh, One thing you should recognize by now is that we are going uh, into the deep end of the NFL draft prospect pool. We've been breaking them down for you position by position, and today, we're going to take a look at one of the more fun positions, I think, the uh, edge rush position. Now, this uh, we're going to color outside the lines a little bit today because uh, different people define uh, an edge rusher different ways. We could be talking outside linebackers. We could be talking D-ends. Uh, what we're mostly talking uh, either way is guys who uh, have a, an ability to get to the quarterback. And as we all know by now, uh, you just can't have a – you can't have enough of those. Uh, if you rush the passer well, you can always rush it better or rush it well more often uh, as teams continue to throw the ball. Uh, teams continue to try to come up with ways to stop teams from throwing the ball. And uh, the edge rush is uh, one area that uh, can really uh, do a fine job of that. Uh, Matt Williamson, our uh, former scout and personnel guy of the group, uh, I'm curious before we get started breaking him down here, uh, if you've noticed any trends in this position over the last five years or so? Uh, I don't know if there's been a trend in that it seems like every year you have a star, whether it's a Bosa or a Miles Garrett, and this year's no different. Um, this particular class, though, wow, it just falls off after the first one. And if you're really in the market for an edge guy, I think you're going to be held a little short here. And I know we all kind of defend, defined edge players differently. For me, it was just somebody that lines up in the front row of the defense that's on the edge. It's either a stand-up guy, a 4-3 end. Um, those lines get really blurry nowadays. And uh, one note about these guys I didn't really realize until I pulled up this list was that's a position that, from a scouting perspective, I'm very – conscious of how they test I want to see that three cone bend I want to see their change of direction 10 yard splits even their 40 time I think athleticism really translates to edge production at the NFL level and hardly any of these top guys worked out you know and there's no pro days so it's going to be a little bit you know difficult situation for talent evaluators gotta do it like the old days man right watch the game watch them play and decide off of that, uh, Dale, to Matt's point about what is an edge guy, I, I went with Matt's uh, sort of parameter that if you're on the end of the line, you're an edge guy. Uh, you took it uh, a little bit uh, into more detail, did you not? Yeah, I did, uh, largely because, uh, you know, the team that, that we cover uh, is a 3-4 defense. So if, if a guy was a 4-3 uh, defensive end and I thought that's all he was, uh, and there are a couple of those who were at the top of the board, I didn't put them on my list because, well, I don't look at those guys really. When, I, when I'm studying, I'll look at them a little bit and, and kind of determine if I think that they can drop into coverage or not or whether they can, they can play, uh, you know, outside linebacker. And if I don't feel that they can, I don't rank them. That's just the way I've always done it when I, when I look at these edge guys. 
hey, there's, there's no right or wrong answer here. We're just uh, finding <laughs> finding a lane and uh, staying in it. Uh, Matt, uh, let's start with you for the edge position. Uh, why don't you start counting us down from number five? Yeah, my fifth guy is A.J. Epinesa. I have mixed feelings about him. I mean, he is a tough, try-hard guy. Leaves me wanting a little bit more, kind of in a Springsteen manner, Mike, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, uh -oh. <laughs> <Them> fighting words. <laughs> but he is big. He's physical. He's very heavy-handed. Lined up as an edge guy at Iowa. But I think he's more of an interior player, like – to put it in the to a Steeler analysis, I think he's closer to Aaron Smith than he is T.J. Watt, but he played edge at Iowa, so I'm not exactly sure what to do with him. Yeah, I, I don't know where you're going with that Springsteen reference, other than <laughs> leaving you wanting more when the song is a little overrated. Another one, right? That's what you meant, right? You want to, you want to see a Vanessa play three downs in defense and then go cover a punt. That must have been where you were going there, uh, Dale. Let's. Uh, Let's flip it over to you. You've got a different take at number five. Yeah, I've got the Jabari uh, Zaninga from Florida. Uh, and no Springsteen cracks. And no, no, uh, no Springsteen uh, crack from me here. Uh, but Zaninga's, I mean, he's explosive. Uh, he, again, shows flashes but doesn't do it on a consistent basis. And he had some health issues in his career. But, man, he can get after it. He, he, he can bend around the edge. Uh, does everything that you'd, you'd want from, from an edge guy. Uh, and I think he is – one of the few guys in his class who is athletic enough to uh, uh, to play. Uh, I, I know Matt talked about some of the guys who are lacking in athleticism. I don't think he is. I think he can get there and do it on a consistent basis uh, based on his athleticism. And Mike, to my point with him, it's really interesting is he's coming off of, you know, a lot of injuries as Dale mentioned and he's super athletic. So he didn't really have a, you know, you can considering the information we have in today's NFL for where we're at, he didn't get a chance to showcase his best stuff or prove that his red flags are gone. So he may be a bargain when it's all said and done. Right. My number five is, uh, you turn gross Matos from Penn state, a uh, guy who I think has some upside uh, to achieve yet in his game. And he's been really productive the last two years when he got a chance to play for the Nittany lions. Uh, my number four is AJ Epinesa from Iowa, Matt, uh, your number four is Gross Matos, so uh, we're kind of on the same page, just mm -hmm. in uh, a little bit of a different order. But uh, Dale, uh, approaching it somewhat differently, uh, has a different take at number four as well. Yeah, I looked at uh, the two guys that you just mentioned as both as uh, the, the the classic 4-3 uh, defensive ends, and as Matt mentioned, uh, maybe somebody will ask Epineza to, uh, to put on 20 pounds and become an interior lineman. Uh, but I've got Julian Akwara from Notre Dame, uh, as my number four guy, um, there's a big drop-off be between him and some of the top guys here. He's not quite the athlete that Zeninga is, uh, but I, I looked at Zeninga's injury issues. I couldn't put him ahead of Akwara. Akwara uh, hasn't, had, you know, he's, he had a broken leg late in the year last year, uh, but is a, is a big, heavy-handed guy, um, needs to get better against the run, uh, but he, has, he, he flashes some ability to get to the passer, He's also 6'4", 252, so he's kind of that, uh, that ideal size that you're looking for in, in, a, in an edge if you're, if you're playing in a 3-4. And, um, you know, I, I think he could, he could be an upside guy that, uh, um, you know, I think the best is yet to come for him as well. Now, here's where it starts uh, going off the rails a little bit, at least for me. 
if, if you listened to our defensive tackle podcast, you may remember me uh, discussing with Matt Williams in the Senior Bowl and and how how much you should or should not read into that. But uh, every year I kind of fall off a cliff and see a guy uh, during the practices and the game, and I think, man, that is my guy. Uh, wow, look at that. And uh, I found that guy, at least for the time being, uh, Bradley Anai, uh, linebacker from Utah, edge guy from Utah. Uh, Matt, reel me in here when I get done telling you that he had sacks on back-to-back snaps in the senior bowl, and then he got another one later in the game. Uh, he induced pressure on Jalen Hurts and forced an easy interception. Uh, and then some of the interviews they did with him, uh, Kim Jones talked about him at the Combine as a guy who uh, likes to go cliff diving, surfing, hiking, and likes to pet sharks. Uh, he's, <laughs> he, he's an adrenaline junkie. He's nuts. He's an outside linebacker. He wants to get to the quarterback. He's got the quickest first step I've ever seen. He comes from a Utah defense that's really good. Matt, why should I not be putting all my chips into the middle of the table uh, on the Bradley and I card? I see what you're saying. Highly productive, energizer bunny should be a demon on special teams. Welcome. And you know, this any, guy's going to be a great interview, right? I mean, a he's great. Gonna he's, you guys are going to love him, right? No doubt about it. Um, I did not have him in this class. I saw him more as a third, fourth round guy, and maybe it's just because of the traits. I mean, he ran a, a four nine one at the combine. Has some T Rex arms. I think he's going to get swallowed up a little bit more at the NFL level than he did at Utah, but really good football player. I just don't think he's got a real high ceiling. Yeah, I'm with Matt on that one. I just, you know, anytime a guy runs in the four nines, uh, it scares me now because uh, I just think uh, of a certain linebacker, uh, a certain team in Pittsburgh uh, drafted a few years back in the first <laughs> round, who was not very athletic, was a really productive college player and just didn't work out. And, and so maybe I'm maybe I'm downplaying uh, Anai's abilities because of that, uh, but I didn't have him ranked nearly as high. I did my my top ten. I had him at nine. Uh, I think he's more of a third, fourth round guy. Yeah, I like the first step, uh, and uh, I'll give you one more as I continue to sell my uh, latest draft crush. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah talking about uh, his use of hands in the Senior Bowl, and he called it textbook. I mean, this guy's yeah. a technician as well as a. An adrenaline junkie and a freak, but I, I think he's really interesting, and uh, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not deterred, uh, despite what you guys just told me. I'm going to keep banging that drum for a while longer. Uh, I've got him at number three. Uh, you guys are going uh, a little bit further south, Archdale, for number three. Yeah, I've got the Clavon Chase on. Um, he's this is a tough one for me because I, I these LSU guys, these edge rushers that have come out and haven't been real productive. Uh, there's, there's some mix, there's a mixed bag there. You get it. And sometimes you get a Danielle Hunter. Other times you get, uh, you know, one of the other guys that have failed. Uh, Mingo or one of those. Yeah. Teams, Barkevious yeah. Mingo. Chase on had a little bit more production than Mingo. He had six and a half sacks last year, uh, but he's, he's athletic. He's got good size. He's six three two fifty four. where some of those other guys who have failed at the, at the pro level from LSU, they were like Mingo was, was a real thin, uh, thin guy. Ch- uh, Chase, uh, Chase on his naughty again, 6'3", 254. Uh, but I think, that, I think he's just scratching the surface as a player. But I couldn't rank him ahead of my top two guys, certainly not number one, uh, who I think is the best player in the draft. But uh, Chase on is, is an interesting guy. Um, you know, I, I think he, 
He again, another guy that didn't test at the combine, so we don't really know how fast he is, but he sure looks fast on tape. Yeah, I totally Matt, agree. I mean, he's my number three real athletic edge bender, can get that inside shoulder low without losing acceleration, changes direction, fluid, explosive. He's also the youngest guy on this list, so maybe the best is yet to come. But nine and a half sacks in your career at LSU and six and a half last year, when you're beating teams by a million, that doesn't rub me the right way. Matt, another philosophical question for you. Uh, it's always about height, weight, speed, and what they put on tape more than anything else. But uh, what does something uh, such as the number 18 at LSU, which if people don't know, is a very sacred and special number. Uh, it goes back to a former quarterback that they had uh, that uh, they didn't think was going to do anything, and he ended up leading them to an SEC championship. And uh, they give out the number – the players vote on who should wear number 18. That goes – to the most inspirational guy down there on offense and defense. Do you care? Oh, I care. I mean, I want team captains. I want team leaders. I want alpha dogs. But we kind of had a saying when I was, a, you know, when we were, I was doing recruiting at Pitt, all that's great, but if they can't play, they're just a good neighbor. <laughs> great neighbor. Dale, any thoughts on that kind of stuff? You know, not every guy who wears a single digit at Temple is the toughest guy on the defense, as it turns out. Do you care about that stuff? I, I do at a place like uh, like LSU. I mean, it's a little bit different than than wearing that uh, that that special number at a Temple or somewhere like that. If you're if you're that guy at LSU, Lloyd Cushenberry was the guy on offense, uh, the, their center who, who wore was the 18 designation. Gave a, they gave uh, a pass because he couldn't yeah. actually wear 18. Uh, but he and Jason were the, were the two leaders of that team. And when they had 16 guys at the, at the scouting combine, uh, that kind of tells you how much uh, talent was on that team. So, you know, when you're the, when you're the top dog in a program like that, yeah, that matters a little bit as well. I, I, that's, that's why I was kind of willing to overlook some of the, uh, the lack of production there for him. Yeah, me too. And uh, captain uh, as a sophomore down there, uh, I mean, he, he checks a lot of character boxes and a lot of, uh, uh, quality guy boxes. Uh, he's number two on my list. Uh, you guys, you guys, excuse me, both went uh, with a Wisconsin linebacker who I have personally as an interior guy, an off the ball guy, not an edge guy. But uh, Dale, we'll, we'll stick with you. Uh, tell us about the uh, the latest uh, great Wisconsin backer. Yeah, it's uh, Zach Bond, six two two thirty eight. So you know, teams are kind of uh, you see him all over the place in terms of is he is he an interior. Uh, defensive or off, yeah, linebacker, or is he an edge guy? Well, the guy had 12 and a half sacks last year at Wisconsin, uh, which I believe set a record. For, uh, uh, I think he had 20, 26 or something like that in his career. He had ridiculous numbers at Wisconsin. So he can rush the passer, uh, but he can also play off the ball. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when you, when you look at him because he can do a little bit of everything. And, and in today's NFL, I think there's a lot of value to that. Um, I, I think there are some teams that will look at him as a guy that they can use as a chess piece to, uh, okay, he's going to rush on this play. This time he's going to, we're going to put him in the middle of the field. He's going to cover the tight end. Uh, there's, there's a lot there to like it in terms of both being an edge rusher and an off ball linebacker. Yeah, without question. And he's just a really good football player. I mean, uh, maybe you would worry about rushing him off the edge or standing up against offensive leader. tackles just because of his size, but boy, he does everything well. He's good against the run. Dale mentioned his sack production. He can cover. Uh, he has every right to be in the linebacker group as well as the edge. 
And I, he screams Patriots to me. I mean, he's Rob Ninkovich, Kyle Van Noy, one of those type of guys. Well, we should start well, never mind. Uh, <laughs> when, when, when you have a guy like this, it, it can sometimes come down to, Matt, uh, what you need the most, right? And I think those, those off-the-ball guys are a little harder to find than the edge guys, are they not? Even though there's such an emphasis on the edge, if, if, if you need the inside backer, you, you probably better get it while you can, right? I think it really comes down to what kind of defense you run. You know, I mentioned the Patriots, and they're known for changing what they do week to week under Belichick, where Bond could have totally different responsibilities week two versus week three, or, you know, old school Dick LeBeau, three, four edge guys. He might not be able to hold up like the, the Gildens and Porters did snap after snap, but he can drop like those guys. So I think it just did some of these highly versatile defensive players. When we get the linebackers, we're really going to get to this. That's a wonderful trait but you better know where to put them on first and 10. Last but not least, uh, we're all in agreement once again. Uh, Chase Young, uh, Dale, you said about best player in the draft. Uh, be, be hard to argue. Uh, and there's a track record of guys, you know, Denzel Ward and the Bosa brothers. Seems like you can't have a draft unless there's a, a top three or top four pick off the Ohio State defense. Yeah, I mean, this guy's a stud. Anybody who watched Ohio State play last year saw that. What do you have, 19 and a half sacks, which is just ridiculous. He's actually – And he missed a couple the, games. Missed two games, right? And missed two games, yeah. He's better – he's a better prospect than either one of the Bosa boys were, and they were both top three picks. I mean, that kind of tells you what kind of player this guy is. Uh, 6'5", 264, uh, so he's got classic size that you're looking for there. Uh, can, it just destroys people, heavy hands. Uh, you know, great first step, great moves, uh, has counter moves. The whole He's the whole package. And, I, you know, it, I know the Bengals probably aren't going to take him number one. They're going to go quarterback. But I don't think you could even – even the Bengals, if they, if they took Young instead of, instead of the quarterback, I don't know that you could, you, could, you could say that was a bad move for them because he's such a special player. Transcendent prospect. I mean, you seem like you say that every year, whoever the best defensive player is. But I mentioned Bosa's. You guys mentioned Bosa's. Miles Garrett, I think he's a superior prospect to all those guys. It's really hard to find negatives to him. Once in a while, his pads get a little high, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and you know, and I, I do think he could probably develop a, a fuller array of pass rush moves, you know, when he makes that. But, I mean, I'm really nitpicking. The negative column is pretty empty. Um, superstar prospect. I mean, he's like Julius Peppers coming out. Yeah, I agree. There's, there's nothing not to like. And uh, I don't know. Bengals, Ohio kid, Ohio State kid. We'll see how it works out. Hey, guys, great stuff. As always, we'll look forward to doing it again real soon for uh, Dale Lolly and Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Rasuda. You have been listening to uh, the latest edition of Steelers.com's NFL Draft Triple Take Podcast. Uh, appreciate you stopping by, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again.